0: And my mom said, you know, hey, listen, what if I put the house up for collateral? Will that bank give you that loan? Wow. And I didn't even think twice. I'm like, yeah, they will. They said they needed collateral. And I didn't know what it meant. I told them I had an 86 Buick and I got a dirt bike and a couple baseball <laughs> cards. And they said, no, we need something more significant, kid. So my mom put her house on the line wow. so that her punk 17-year-old kid could wow. chase his dream. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So, without
1: further ado, here is the odd man. And salutations. You've got a lock to the Audacious Living Podcast. And I can tell you right now, this is hands down the most audacious podcast you'll find on the internet. I'm Audley Stevenson, and thank you so much for joining us here on another episode uh, as we continue our ongoing goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. Uh, As always, uh, I'd encourage you to uh, connect with us and you can do so through our social media channels. Uh, You can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram and we're under the handle, The Audacious Pod. And then if you head head over to Facebook, type in The Audacious Living Podcast, you'll find us there as well. And then lastly, uh, if you're watching this particular episode on YouTube, then you know you can subscribe to our channel simply by tapping the bell down below it's that easy so please like follow subscribe share let's continue to do our part to keep this audacious conversation going uh got a question for you how much time do you spend dreaming it could be you know for yourself or or for others but dreaming how much time do you spend and, and, and there's really no limit how much time we can spend on dreaming. So it's up to you. Now, if you answer with none at all, then you've got some work to do. But if you do dream, that's great. So my next question would be, is how much time do you spend going after your dream? You see, dream without action or any sort of forward movement is nothing but a wish. And my next guest totally understands this fact. In in fact, you know, he's followed his dream in wanting a better life, and he's done just that. His name is Chris Noggle, uh, known to America to many as America's number one money mentor, and with good reason. Uh, you know, built, Chris has built a, you know. A, Nineteen companies, different businesses. Uh, he's been featured on Forbes and ABC, and he had a you know he had his own pilot show on HGT, HGTV. And uh, uh, you know now he spends much of his time not only you know with his businesses, but much of his time helping people uh, understand and build wealth and recognizing the power of money. Uh, and none of which is possible, of course, if we're not prepared. To go after our dreams, uh, Chris is all about helping others achieve and, and, and aspire to greatness. And again, so much of that is incumbent on us taking action. So um, I, I'm gonna stop talking now and, and give you a chance to hear from Chris in our, in our fulsome conversation. Uh, again, he's number one, he's America's number one. Money mentor, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he has some financial, a bit of financial advice too. Although we're not a, a financial podcast, we're going to dabble in that space uh, just a little bit to help uh, illustrate his story that much more. So, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Chris Noggle. Enjoy, Chris. It is great to have you with me here on the Audacious Living Podcast. Uh, thank you for taking the time, man. Yeah, it's my honor and privilege. Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, you know, you, not often you get to sit down with they call you number one America's number one money mentor. You probably don't have a lot. You don't probably have a lot of problems making friends with a title like that, do you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with that one. It was uh, I remember when they started calling me that. I'm like, oh, well, that's a tough. That's a big shoe to fit. But uh, it eventually, it just becomes normal, and you just kind of roll with the punches.
1: For sure. No, no, I, I get that loud and clear. Sometimes people see kind of that greatness in us or what they, you know, that special thing in us and they anoint us and we kind of have to, you know, live up to it, I guess, in some instances.
0: So. Absolutely. And it's, it's always good when you got a big uh, title like that. It calls out a lot of the haters, too, because you know, people it, are always it. there to try to bring you back down.
1: That's it. But by chance, uh, as we're talking about this, did you kind of feel any kind of pressure or any to live up to that expectation or when you first kind of heard that? How did that go for you?
0: Well, I, I remember, I think it was Randy Garn who, who initially said that. And I'm like, whoa, that's that's an interesting one. I'm like, sure. I'm like, yeah, I guess I guess I am. I, I don't know. And he's like, no, you are. Stop saying you guess. He said, just be just, you know, say it. I am. And I said, all right, I am America's number one money mentor. And, you know, that, there's a lot to be said about that. You know, right. it's, it's repeated in the Bible. You know, I am.
1: Mm. And
0: uh, sometimes you just got to own up to it. And you just the rest will take care of itself.
1: Got you, got you. Did you, out of curiosity, ever ask him why, how he came to that, or what, or you just accepted it? And, I, I didn't,
0: and I was just on the phone with him today. Uh, he's one of my mentors. I, yeah. I just asked him. I said, you know, where'd you ever come up with that? I don't know. I, I will ask him, but no, but I didn't. True. I was just like, hey, I, I like it. Let's yeah. roll it, and that's what we did.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. I'd be, yeah, I'd be, be intrigued to find out what it was that you know he saw, and not that it, not that it, no one's questioning it because you absolutely are. You've helped thousands of people, which is fantastic, and we'll we'll sort of talk about that in a little bit. But I'd like to get your, your, your let's get into your backstory and how you got to where you got, because I always, oftentimes feel, you know, that's the the, the meaty part of the journey is to happens at the very beginning. And that's where you learn the most lessons. Absolutely.
0: You know, and I didn't grow up uh, in a family with money. I grew up in a lower, lower middle-class family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom had to raise me. My dad was an alcoholic. It really wasn't too much part of my life. And, uh, you know, I remember watching mom struggle as I was growing up. You know, she struggled to keep a 700 square foot house with you know, two bedrooms, it was, right. uh, it was all we had. But in doing that, I learned some really important lessons that my mother taught me. And she taught me, you know, first off how to dream. Uh, when I wanted things, we couldn't just go buy them. If I wanted a skateboard or a snowboard. It wasn't the means to just run out to the, the shop and get the thing I wanted. So she taught me principles of, you know, saving and how my mom did it is she would save her change. And I'll never forget it. She had this big glass jar in her okay. closet. And she would just put her extra change in it. And when she saved up enough, and, and I remember going in there and rolling change, you know, many <laughs> people don't even know what that looks like today, but you, know, you just, you roll the change, you yeah. take them to the bank. Yeah. And that's how she bought her lawnmower. So when I wanted things, I started doing the same thing, but she got yeah. me this, I still have it today. I just found it in storage. Uh, it's a black box. that has a little slide top and that's what I would save my money. And I'd mow lawns and uh, that's what gave me, I think the work ethic. And as I got into the teenage years, I had a dirt bike that I rode to work and I worked on a farm at 14. And I remember I would take the money from working on the farm and I worked uh, at a little restaurant during the summer months and I would take that money and I'd save it and had a goal of buying a brand new dirt bike. I had this one that I always looked at. Yeah. Now, visualization is a big part of it because when you can't have things, you have to visualize them. Yes. And I would draw pictures at school. You know, if I, this dirt bike became so real to me because I would just constantly draw it, I'd constantly be reading articles about it. Right. And I'd go to sleep and I would literally dream about these things in the act of riding this yep. dirt bike. And you know, dirt bike, skateboards, snowboarding, surfing, all the same thing. And the funniest thing is, is you know, I never knew it as a kid that. This is actually, you know, like a, a law. It's, it's just something that just has to happen if you yes. believe it and you dream it, you can achieve it or not in that exact order. And all yeah. these things happened. I got yeah. the skateboards, I got the snowboards, I had the ramps, I had, you know, the professional snowboarding career. And but this is just how I grew up. It was different than a lot yeah. of people that are just things. Right. But right. you know, I, I always took care of my things too because I, I had to work hard for that. So of course, when I, of course. you know, just. It just had a different respect for them. And, uh, you know how it actually went is, uh, I had a big dream as a, as a teenager to be a pro snowboarder. Now okay. I live in Buffalo, New York and Buffalo, New York is not exactly the Mecca for <laughs> snowboarding, but I, I watched, you know, from the Hill, I watched two pro riders one time show up and ride the park. And the names were Blair and Shane. Okay. And I remember hearing these guys were from Buffalo. And I'm like, how did these guys become pros from Buffalo? Cause everybody tells me I can't do it living here. They, they paved the way. And I just mimicked what they did. And I did what everybody else was unwilling to do, including I, I couldn't afford to go to the resorts much. So I was in a ski club. It was school. So that's how I went. But I only got to go one day a week. Okay. You know, the other pro riders were on the hill every day. All the time, great. So I, I had to, I had to get resourceful. I had to do what everybody else was unwilling to do. I had a, a country club by my house. It was a, built in a ravine. Okay. if you've ever seen a golf course there's sand traps well yeah. sand yep. traps on a hill going down create a really good jump so i would go there and i watched the sledders do this, this is how i learned it. i saw sledders go down they catch a little bit of air and i'm like wait a second i can build a jump out of that and i can practice all these tricks that i'm watching in these videos and seeing in the snowboarder magazine and that's what i did but i learned that i could only do this after school and in the winter it gets dark really early so i'd get three, four runs before it started getting dark, and mom was there to pick me up, so I had to get in better shape, so I remember running up and down the backyard of my house to get myself in better shape, so when I went there after school, I could get more runs and learn more (laughs) tricks, and this is just how I did things, not even knowing, I had so much fun doing them, some people would look at that as that's so much work, to me, it was just like, it was just the, that's what I had to do, you know, we have to measure success in that, that's how I I hit the levels of success and, I love it. you know, th- these dreams continued on, you know, and I, I remember uh, 16 years old, I had a real, real big boy job. You would call it, I worked at a restaurant okay. and it was like a prep cook. I thought this okay. Oh my God, this is a real job. And you're at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. at 16, it is kind of right. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. except for Today's world's a little different, but back then that was just how we oh. all did it. All my friends got a yeah. job at a restaurant, Yeah, but this experience wasn't a good one. I, they treated me so poorly. Mm -hmm. that I remember I got clinic I was pretty much clinically depressed and I remember the day that I went in there and he started writing on me and I remember I just I would had enough and I said I quit what I didn't know is that was the day that I was going to quit trading hours for dollars and I came home and I said mom I want to start a clothing line called fat clothing company with a -A and that's where it happened I printed the first 12 t-shirts with my art teacher Mr. Mahalsky. And I sold them out of my backpack, made two dozen. And that's how the first company started. 16 years old. I started my first DVA. I still have that certificate and that picture of me holding that fat T-shirt. And uh, then from there, I, I got the next big dream at 17. I met a guy who, you know, through skateboarding and that? he's like, we should open a shop in the Lockport mall. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I got fat clothing. I, and then we'll call the shop fat man. Cause I was, I had fat clothing and I was the man. And that yep. was the name, yep. but uh, we started that and I ended up buying him out uh, when I was 17 turning 18, but buying him out took $70,000 because he fronted the money for it. and he was uh, the lead partner. And I really just worked yep. at the shop at that time. Yep. And uh, I tried getting loans. I tried going through it. And a lot of us all have failures that we go through. And this was this was a failed success uh, is a way to put it, because I went around and asked everybody that had money, if I could borrow money, they all said, no. My father right. said, come get a job at the factory. And uh, I almost gave up on that dream. My mother watched this happen and my mom said, "You know, hey, listen, what if I put the house up for collateral? Will that bank give you that loan? Wow. And I didn't even think twice. I'm like, yeah, they will. They said they needed a collateral. And I didn't know what it meant. I told them I had an 86 Buick and I got a dirt bike and a couple <laughs> baseball cards. And they said, no, we need something more significant, kid. <laughs> so my mom put her house on the line wow. so that her punk 17-year-old kid could wow. chase his dream. And uh, wow. Fat Man Board Shops took, took shape November of 1994. It's still operational today. I sold it in 2010. But that was my first big business. And I learned a lot. Because I knew that if I failed, Mom lost her house, or we lost
1: her house. Really, so you know when you when you. First, I want to jump. It, it. Sorry, I want to just ju- jump, jump in for a second only because you you've said some awesome things, and I don't want to lose them. And I want to even if we pit pin, we come back to them. But I tell you what I heard off the bat: dream dreaming, but not just dreaming, dreaming big, right? And there's much to be said about having big dreams, pursuing those dreams being resourceful and finding different ways to achieve those dreams. And when there's things or are gaps or things you don't know, watching and learning from others to, again, to achieve those dreams. And then you start talking about failure, and it's not really a real failure because you're learning from that and you're figuring out you know, how, how to get to where you want to go. So, again, under that envelope of dreams, there's all these things that in, in, in your brief couple minutes there, they're just incredible lessons. Yeah. But you know, just when you're a kid, you're just living life.
0: Yeah. You're just chasing your dreams. You know, I, I have a 17 month old, mm. you know, and at 17 months old, I watch her running around and they in her mind. There's nothing she cannot accomplish. Not one thing. It, no matter what she dreams, what she wants, what she wants to accomplish, she goes for it. Right. You know, but somewhere in life, we lose that. Like we're born with that innate ability to dream yeah. and accomplish anything that we can come up with. But somewhere in life, those dreams get crushed. We get Molded into this little box, you know, we start to conform to other people's failed dreams to other people's failed realities. And, and this has happened to me many times in my life. And there's been a lot of attempts to crush, you know, these dreams that I've had, including all those ones I just said, there was always somebody when I had the dream, even though my mother was my cheerleader, if you will, there was always somebody on the other side waiting to crush that dream, because it just didn't make sense to them. And, you know, my father was one of them and many others, but uh, you know, I think that's an important lesson too that I wanna bring up is in my journey, I'm 44 now, I've, I've had lots of failures, uh, I've failed a lot. And, you know, I know you say that, uh, you know, failing is just another way of learning and absolutely correct. But in the moment, yeah. it seems like the darkest yeah. day. Yeah. It seems like the worst thing that could ever happen. And, you know, in doing that, I always come back to saying, you know, what is success? You know what is the true definition of success? It's going to be different for everybody. Is mm. it money in the bank? Is it the car you drive, the house you have? Is it the things you accomplish, the amount of people that you help solve problems? I mean, it comes in many things, but really, if you really define or look deep down into what is the difference between success and failure, it's very simple. And Earl Nightingale talked about this in the secret, you know, the strangest secret in the world. If, if you've ever never heard that, or your listeners never had, please. Go to youtube and search the strangest secret in the world and he talks a lot about the difference between success and failure and he says the only difference between a successful person and somebody that fails is creation mm. successful people do one thing different they create they create something they create the life they create that dream that they thought about at night and envisioned and drew on their note keeper <laughs> you know they they create what they dream and the ones that don't succeed unfortunately what they do is they conform They conform Mm. to other people's realities, other people's failed dreams. And therefore they get stuck in that moment where they think, you know, this it's a negative mindset, but they think that they can never succeed because people tell them they can't. And that's sad. And I always try to change people from that conformed mindset to the success mindset of creation. Mm. And it's very difficult because some people have just given up. And that's sad to me because I think back and I think, what if I did give up? What if that first day I went to the snowboard hill, and I couldn't get it right. I couldn't figure it out. What if I just quit? What if I just
1: gave up? Yeah. In, in form? yeah. What if you didn't go to the Hill because you're in Buffalo and you're like, well, this isn't yeah. the place, right? Like there's all sorts of what is right. Wow. You know, in life's full of those decisions
0: we have to yeah. make those opportunities that come to us. And those opportunities come first in the form of a dream. You come up with an idea or maybe somebody presents an idea to you. And then that idea becomes your idea, you know, but how many opportunities do we actually let slip by because of fear or because of conforming to somebody else, you know, and what they say, I can't tell you with what I do today in the money space, people always say, oh, that sounds too good to be true. All that person said, that doesn't work that way. Well, you can believe them, you know, in their failed reality, because are they living their perfect day? Are they living the day you want to? Right. Probably not. But yet they're telling you how your day should be. They're mm-hmm. telling you what your dreams should be. And I, it's, it's a sad reality, but I, I can sincerely say in my journey, I've been on both sides. I have conformed. I have been on that side where I've just said, you know, enough's enough. I'm quitting. But the only way to fail in life is to quit. And the sooner that people realize that there is no failure, no matter what in your life, there's only one way to fail. And that is to quit. Mm. So it's your decision, folks. You Mm. can quit or you can start creating.
1: So on on the path of creation, uh, you, you've created an opportunity in the financial space in a big way, not only for yourself for a lot of other people. Talk about how you got that started, and, and because it's up into this up until your story thus far, I've heard nothing about you being in the financial space at all, right? <laughs> oh, money, money was
0: in a, a scarcity mindset. I grew up a, not talking about money. I grew up in right. a world where you know we shut all the lights off, and if the lights stayed on longer than you were in that room, mom was like, "Why'd you leave the light on? We're not heating the outside." You heard these things. <laughs> you no, know, yes. I grew up in a money scarcity mindset. Sure. And today I live in an abundant mindset when it comes to money. And how that all changed is it was a slow process, you know, building wealth and, you know, understanding money and having money is, is a marathon. It's not a sprint. But, you know, we talked about the skateboard shops. Yep. So I was living my perfect day back then. I was a pro snowboarder. I had my skateboard shops and all was well. And I was expanding them. And then in the early 2000s, the planes hit the tower. And what we know of was the dot-com crash, the recession. Right. When that recession hit, I'd never seen a recession. I knew nothing about what a recession was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Up to that point, it was just mm-hmm. business as usual.
1: Yeah, regular, yeah.
0: Yeah, and my business fell about 30%. And I realized, holy crap, I need to get a job. So I, my friend, my best friend, Mike, worked at Little Caesars delivering pizzas. So I went there I said, well, I'll deliver pizzas at night while I'm not working at the shop. They mm-hmm. weren't hiring so I put my resume out and my resume was pretty basic. A little bit of college, had these retail stores, you know, self-starter, entrepreneur, but nothing else. Pro snowboarder. Like. Yeah. So the only people that called me were Wall Street firms. And I had no idea why. I'm like, why did these guys want me? Like, do I look like a financial guy? Like I'm in a hoodie and a peenie. Like I don't fit the mold. Right. But I remember I, I went to an interview because I really was kind of back against the wall. I went to an interview. Grandma went out and got me a suit with a zip-up tie. Yep, and yep, yep. They, they got me with the the guy slid the keys across the table and said, this Porsche, you know, I, I wouldn't have had this. It's that whole thing. And I was like, this sounds great. And that's how I entered the world of finance in, in Wall Street world. And at first it was a temporary thing, but I ended up starting to really love it. And here's what I loved. You know, when I got in it and I'm going to tell a little story if it's okay. Yeah, yep, yep, sure. I remember my early months. In this firm, you know, in a financial advisory world back then, two thousand three, you know, there was the bullpen in the middle. It was a bunch of cubicles, yes. and it was loud. And all the glass offices around the end were the the senior advisors, yes. like the guys that made all the money and had the BMWs and the Mercedes that I looked yes. at every day when I walked into the office. Mm-hmm. And I watched this observantly, and I, I I would watch them come in at about nine nine thirty in the morning. They would leave for lunch, be gone for an hour two hours. And then they would leave by 4.30, 5 o'clock. When the bell rang, they were gone. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, these guys make all this money and they work a part-time job. So I said, well, I want those offices. And I knew a couple guys there. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to do what they're unwilling to do. I'm going to get here at 7. And I'm going to get all my paperwork ready for the day. So I don't waste time doing paperwork and all this crap. And then when lunch happens, well, first off, I didn't have the money to go to lunch. So I brought mulberries from the mulberry tree and a the Tupperware. Uh, <laughs> they'd go to lunch and I would die off. I would hit the phones when other people were out on lunch and people mm-hmm. answered and then at night when they left i stayed till seven or eight sometimes they had families to get to home too i didn't i had a career mm-hmm. to build wow. and i would pound the phones and i had a lot of success i became one of the top three advisors in a short period of time i was making more money than i'd ever made but at that point some things happened too up to this point i was you know just a normal kid had okay. a big dream and yep. didn't ever make a lot of money and now all of a sudden I'm making a lot of money so I then started getting to more of a standpoint of where now I wanted the big things. I wanted the fancy cars. I wanted the fancy house. And and I was able to buy these things, but it changed who I was. And you hear this in life. Sometimes, you know, I was in at the core today, even, you know, and you know, you guys can look it up and, you know, but I have a lot of success. I make it a routine to go to the skate park to always get back to my roots. I go back to my basics of who I am at the core And I don't wear suits intentionally anymore because I remember this one moment where I I got in this place where it wasn't me and I was wearing almost like a, you know, a wolf in sheepskin. That was me. And I lost who I was and I started focusing on me, 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 things, 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 and greed took over. And you know what happens when when we start seeking greed? Life will take everything from you. Mm. 2008 stripped me of everything. I lost it all. I almost went bankrupt. Now I'm not going to get into that story. Right. Then again, right. I got back on my feet, 2014. I got into real estate. And again, it was all stripped from me. You see, sometimes right. you got to get your mind right. right. And you got to figure out who you are and what success means to you. So at that point, right. I had no, I had no, I had no destination. I didn't know what I was working toward. I was working right. toward the next car, the next house. Right. Right. I wasn't working in putting my time and energy into solving other people's problems. I thought I was, you know, my clients, right. I was trying to solve their yeah, problems, no. but solving their problem always had an end result for me if i do this i get this sure Yep. you're defying the laws that are here in this universe and you will never find success if you live that way i'm a perfect example every time i had money and every time i had things they were stripped from me Mm. just as fast as they came to me Mm. until i changed the way that i did things and the way i thought and it took a long time lots of failures dark nights times mm. when I'm at the very bottom thinking maybe I should just drive my truck into that tree. I've been there. Mm. So if any of your listeners have ever been to that low point, we are in different weird times. Sure. If you've been there, I was there. And I know that point, it's dark. You just think that you can't do anything right. There's yeah. nothing you're doing is is ever going to work, but I assure you it does. You just have yep. to get out of that mindset. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I just changed everything. One person said one thing to me. Uh, it was at a mastermind that I couldn't afford to be at. And this guy, who was running it came up and i asked him for the best advice he could give me he put his mm-hmm. hand on my shoulder and he says give your best stuff away for free and i'm thinking you son of a beep!" that's the best advice dude you i just paid than that. five grand <laughs> right. to come to this mastermind that i didn't have him. that's what you got for me right it's a single right. single best advice because he understood the laws and he understood mm. the universe and he understood that in life, we are here to give, we are here to solve other people's problems. And the faster you get to that, you know, the faster your success is going to just skyrocket. You know, you heard right. of hockey sticks. You look at the stock market, yep. it's a hockey stick, real estate's a hockey stick, yep. crypto's a hockey stick. Okay. When you hockey stick, that's that's what your life will be if you start focusing on others. Zig mm-hmm. Ziegler said, if you if you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want. But if you start with what you get out of giving, you failed, you broke yep. the model. And uh, that's what I did, and that's what I do today. I give my best stuff away for free, and uh, I, I I don't know how to tell people like, oh wow, you want success? Oh, you want wealth? And well, there's simple five laws. There's five laws to to wealth. I mean, okay. they're very simple, and one of them happens to be giving. And giving doesn't have to be writing yes. money, but you have to build yes. habits. Don't. There's a guy. I just did an interview with a, a very very high level advisor on my okay. show, and. We're talking about this, and he he brings up this client of his, and this mm-hmm. client works his whole life, had had made good money, and when he gets to retirement, he says, "You know, I've made it, I've had success, and now I'm going to change and I'm going to give." And right. when he said this to this guy, the guy's name was Scott. Scott said, "Why did you wait so long? Right. You you waited till retirement until you, in your mind, got to the place you it's, wanted you to start ready. giving.
1: Yeah, right.
0: That's backwards, folks." Yeah. I don't care if you've got $10 to your name, yep. find a way to give. You don't have to give it all away. I mean, you know, obviously you got to live too, but giving doesn't have to be financially. Yeah. Let me give you an example of a pattern and a habit. Okay. I mean, yeah, actually, let me ask you a question. Yep. If, you know, around Christmas and holidays and yep. anytime you get a lot of mail, right? Snail sure. mail, we call that these yes. days. And, you yes. know, from these places, uh, ASPC, the SPCA, you got uh, veterans, they're all asking for money. You know, back in the day, I'd get these and I'd be like, oh, they're asking for more money. Oh, they, you know, they, oh, now they're getting tricky. They put a dime in in the envelope. So, oh, they're giving me a dime so that I give them 10. And I used to always think that way and I'd tear them up and I'd throw them away. Here's what I started doing. You know, when I started changing my mindset, when these things come in the mail, I don't even think anymore. This is the habit I built. I take them, I open them up. I don't even read it. I don't care who it's from. I take it, I bring it to work. I open it up and I put it right on my desk, right in my way. Yep. And then it forces me to grab my checkbook and then I write a check. Some days it's $5. Some days it's a hundred. It's whatever my heart tells me to put on the paper. Right. I don't think about this folks. Mm. And every single envelope I get, I do this and I just mail them off. I never put my name. I never ask for recognition. I never asked to, Oh, yep. you know, put my plaque on the wall that I gave you 10 bucks or a hundred yep. bucks. Yep. Yep. I just give unconditionally. Yep. And, and you know, the rule, as soon yep. as you do that, another one comes yep. in the mail. Yep. So I true. give again. Right. Folks, listen, that might sound really stupid to you, but I assure you, if you start thinking along those lines and you change your patterns and your habits to things of giving yeah. to ways of actually helping other people, you don't need to know the results of that. ten That's right. That's you right. just need to know that you gave and the world and the universe and nope. everything else will just take care of you for the rest of your life. And that's yeah. how that's how I've got to these levels of success. Make no two ways about it.
1: I, I oftentimes given an analogy about uh, uh, everyone's got that favorite teacher, right? That favorite teacher. And when, and when you ask them, uh, you know, how did that teacher impact you? Uh, well, how, how do they make a difference? Or why were they your favorite? There was always something special, something unique that they did to make that individual feel special. From the perspective of that particular teacher, they were just doing what was natural to them and had no idea the profound impact it would have on individuals years and years later. And that's why every time you, everyone always has one, right? If I ask you, Chris, you could say, "Who was that teacher?" I'm sure you no. could name. Everyone has that one, and that person was just giving, not looking for anything in return. In fact, they're not even getting getting anything in return, really. If you, and you look at it, maybe in some ways, in terms of the satisfaction of knowing they helped you but not monetary. They were just giving. And, that's, and that's, so that's what falls in line when you, with what you're talking about here. Give just for the purpose of giving.
0: Yeah, now just envision, and I want everybody to think you're having a really bad day. Yeah. Nothing's going right. Your car broke down. You got a flat tire. You were late. Your boss started yelling at you. Nothing's going right. The coffee, you get to the coffee maker. You're, you just need a coffee and it's gone. And yeah. there is no more. We've all had those days. So I want you to get yourself in that mindset. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you get a phone call. And it's from someone that you know, and they say, hey, listen, you know, my, my really good friend, you know, they, they're losing their place, it's freezing cold, they're gonna be thrown out today. If there's anything you could do to help them, you know, I'm already giving them hundred bucks, but they need another 300. Imagine just reaching into your pocket or today, see, I'm so old fashioned, but just grab your phone and you Venmo them $300, mm-hmm. it's 300 bucks, it's not really gonna make or break you. Right. You Venmo them $300. I want you to imagine now how you would feel after you sent, send you would, you would perk right up, you would smile, you would know that you literally just helped that person through a tough time and what you don't know is the butterfly effect which you're talking about, Mm. of what that did for them. Now imagine that kept that that young family that woman yes, okay, that yeah. single mother and her young child in that house. Yep. Imagine that that then gave her the ability to then get ahead and you know take the money that she would have had to pay to rent that month, which would have broke her, so she could actually take her daughter out for a nice meal. Yep. And imagine then that just for, you know keeps going the butterfly effect. You you will never understand the profound effects of simple acts of kindness. Yes, but yeah, the act of kindness that you did there changed your entire makeup, that's, changed that's everything right. yep. for you that day. Yep. Your worst day went into your best day. And that's all you can think about that day is that good deed
1: yep.
0: that yep. helped your productivity at work. That yes. helped you do more work. It yes. changed the way you talk to your boss. It changed everything.
1: Yeah. Yep. The power that's of giving the life yeah the power of giving power of giving so so chris let, let's get into what you do that's so special in terms of giving i mean we we primed it up here for people right we've been talking about the but let's get into what you do because i th- when 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 you can offer and it's been thousands of people from what i understand you know i'm not thousands, tens of thousands now like like that's phenomenal so let's let I, 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 i'm I'm going to let you tell it because i think it's uh again when you touch those kinds of numbers like you're changing lives like generationally
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's so simple, folks. I do one thing. I do one thing. I, I solve people's money problems by showing them how to be back in control of their money. And how I do that is a little bit more complex, but I'll give you the simple version. Yep. I learned that as an advisor, I was always selling things. I was always doing what the advisory companies wanted me to do. And, you know, I also then started needing through real estate really high net worth individuals, multi-millions, tens of or hundreds right. of millions, and then billionaires. And, and I was used to talking about money. I was an advisor. So I started asking them, what do you do with money? And it was always almost the complete opposite of what I thought their answer would be. I thought that they did everything that I taught as an advisor because I was a pretty high, you know, profile advisor. But sure. what I found is these high net worth individuals were doing something totally different. All of them had different ways that they managed money and handled wealth, but they all changed one thing. And this is what I boiled down to. The wealthy individuals have learned over time that one of the secrets to not making money, making money is a whole different thing. I don't really teach people how to make money. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't teach you how to change your mindset. And I can't teach you how to make money. But what I can do is teach you how to make money work for you. And I can teach you how to keep money. See, we all have been so pre-programmed to go out there and trade hours for dollars. You know, I'm holding a hundred dollar bill. We go out and we work our job or we run our business. And in return, we associate hours worked for this money. Now, you know, and people have taught us, oh, what are you worth an hour? Well, whatever number you give them, you're worth. Let's just for today's sake say you're worth a hundred bucks an hour. So you go out, and you trade an hour, and you would now have a hundred dollars. And what do you do when you make money? Well, we've all been trained to do one thing: you go to somebody else's bank, a traditional bank, and you deposit the money there. Do you not? Yeah, that's what we all do. That's, that's right. What we we're taught to do. Mm-hmm. And if it's a job, sometimes you take you know five, ten, or fifteen dollars of that hundred, and you put it into your four hundred one k. That is broken because what you are essentially doing in that is you are giving away your best dollars, okay, your most valuable dollars, and you are giving up control of them. Because I want to ask you, when you take that hundred dollars to the bank Mm -hmm. and you give it to the bank teller, does the bank teller take that hundred dollars and put it in a little box with your name on it? No, No, they don't know. They They don't all. They move. That's (laughs) That's right. right. You just nailed it. They put that money to work. Yeah. They send that money out to work in the form of loans and other different things. In those loans they charge an interest rate on. And that interest rate is more than what they're paying you. As a matter of fact, banks, traditional banks, you guys can look it up on BauerFinancial.com, make 400 to 1300% more than you do on the money that you leave there. But you gladly went there with a smile on your face and gave up control of your money and just let it sit there because it felt good. Because now you think that that money sitting there is going to do something to change your life. But it isn't. It's going to change the bank's future because it's going to help their profits. And in return, the bank gives you those little suckers in the, the coffee mug up there. And what do those suckers say on them when you take them out? They got every flavor, unwrap it, and look at the wrapper. It says, dumb, Dumbs." There's only one brand of sucker at bank's they're sending you a message. Mm. So here's what the wealthy did. And it goes all the way back to the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the JPs, the Morgans. I mean, they've all done it. The Walt Disney's used this, the Ray Crocs, all the way up to today's sitting president. They changed one thing. They decided that they didn't want the banks to always be winning and they didn't trust banks. They wanted to find a better way and a better place to store their capital. And they looked around and looked at the financial world and they said, all right, what's the safest, strongest financial institution? Well, Mm -hmm. it wasn't banks. Banks were failing. So they found that giant mutually owned insurance companies were. So they said, all right, well, how do we create a banking type system with an insurance company? And they hit that end, dead end. They can't just deposit money at the insurance companies. They wouldn't allow that. Right. So what they did is they created a banking system with a vehicle and a product that all of you know, and most of you hate called whole life insurance. Now, before everybody like hit stop, I, I, I got to first explain something, right? The way that this is done, what I'm going to tell you next, It is a whole life, but it is not the whole life that you buy from your brother-in-law, not the whole life you buy from the insurance store down the street. This is a specially designed and engineered whole life that is literally built backwards. The banks have been doing this for hundreds of years because the number one purchaser of whole life in the world are none other than the banks Banks. where we deposit our money. Absolutely. Look it up, folks. Type in and go to Google. And listen, everything I'm telling you is factual. So do your own due diligence. When I say whole life, everybody goes into defense mode. Oh, another insurance salesman. and oh gosh, no. Right, right, Dave Ramsey right. and Susie Orman said that that's horrible. <laughs> and I agree with Dave Ramsey. Regular whole life might not be the best place to store your wealth. But again, sure. we're talking about something that's designed and engineered to function as a banking system, and it's been used like this for hundreds of years. So the wealthy put their money in this bank. Who were they,
1: they designed for, Chris?
0: Well, they're, it's not who they're designed for. It's how they're designed. They're designed so that the money that we put into the whole life, yeah. first and foremost, when you buy a whole life, you're thinking you're buying a death benefit, but okay. you are. Okay. Right. So the death benefit has a cost and pays out the day you die. Now, I don't know anybody in my life or any of my circle, friends in my circle that care more about the money somebody's going to get the day they die more than they care about the money they have in the bank to yeah. use today. Yeah. So if we just flip it and we build the whole life, we engineer the whole life contract so that the main focus is the cash that we have to use today. And the least focus is the debt benefits that's going to be paid out sometime later. Now what we've got is a vehicle that will operate much like your savings account. But you see, your savings account right now probably pays you nothing. If you're lucky, you're getting less than 1% in your savings or your checking account. And if you guys are getting more than that, you found yourself a good bank. Mm-hmm. But insurance companies pay a much higher guaranteed interest rate because insurance companies play the long game. Banks play short game. So the insurance companies that we use, which are mutually owned, dividend paying insurance companies, the policies that we put the money into will pay a guaranteed interest rate of anywhere from two to 3.75 under the new 7702 rules. I used to be able to say 4%, but that's that's gone now. Now it's a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But with dividends, it's about 6% by today's standards. Okay. So now imagine you take and you change just one thing. And this is what the wealthy do: They change where their money went first. Instead of making money and giving it up to the banks where they make all the money, we change that and we take the money that we make or the money we save, I should say, and we put it into this specially designed and engineered whole life where by today's numbers, 2021, you with dividends will be making roughly five and a half to 6%, significantly better. But now comes the problem of, okay, yeah, but then what if I need the money? Okay, well, what if you need the money? Well, then we can go back in and we can take that money back out. In the first couple of years, it might not be 100%, but the ones we build are, About 88 to 95% in the first year you can take out. But here's what we got to start learning. And this is what the wealthy know. The wealthy know how to make their money work for them, just like the banks know how to make your money work for the bank. So when we take money out of this new banking system that we've created with the insurance company, the money has to have a destination. It has to have somewhere where it can go to work, where it's going to make you an interest rate or actually make you something like a gain. So let's just pick on... The easiest place for people to build wealth. Where's all your money going already? Well, if you went and you did a budget, you'd see this much is going to Visa, Amex, Discover, sure. MasterCard, your car payment, right. all those payments of those debts that you've accumulated because you've been taught to go out and make money and go out and buy things. And now credit's right. so easy, you can pretty much get anything you want on somebody else's loan. Pretty much. Because they're, because they're smart, they know how this works. Sure. So what if we just took and put the money there, now we're making this interest rate, and then we take that money out and we pay off Visa, okay? That's what you might do with your savings account. You might save enough in your savings to pay off Visa, and you do that. Mm -hmm. Most people would look at that as a zero-sum game. All right, I saved it up and I paid off Visa, great. Now I don't have to pay Visa. But what if in this scenario, this banking system, when we took money out of this specially designed and engineered whole life, what if the insurance company said, and let's choose a hundred bucks, I put a hundred in, and let's just hypothetically say I take a hundred out. Let's just assume that the insurance company still pays us interest and dividends on that full $100, even though I'm holding $100. That doesn't even sound possible, does it? Mm. Why would the insurance company ever pay me interest on money that's not even there anymore? This is the secret of the wealthy. That $100 that I took out wasn't my money. The insurance company loaned that money to me. And the reason they loaned it to me is because they made two promises. One, they guaranteed me an interest rate on my money. Number two, they promised to pay a death benefit the day I die. So if they loan me money, they're giving me a loan against my death benefit. So my death benefit goes down, but my mm. money, my $100 never left my account. So therefore, my $100 is still sitting there right. making that 6% or whatever it is. Wow. Right. So I'm holding the $100. And, and the loan, people are like, yeah, yeah, but a loan, a loan, a loan, bad, bad, bad. The insurance company doesn't care if I ever pay the loan back because mm-hmm. they just took it from my death benefit. Someday right. when I graduate, they're just gonna subtract the loan from my death benefit. Right, right. Right, right. And, and why would the insurance company do this? Well, because they charge you interest on the loan. And right now the interest rate 5%. It's actually different now, but let's just use 5%. So if they're paying you six and they're charging you five, you're still making more than you're making your savings and you mm-hmm. got the money to use. One more step, and we're gonna finish this because it's so simple. So now you found a better place to store your capital where you can make money, and make interest right. and spend money at the same time. That's totally different than anything you've ever used. But now we got to treat our money the same as we treat the bank's money. Every month, we're talking about the Visa card that you have. Every month, we make a payment to Visa. And Visa charges us a pretty hefty interest rate on that payment. Sure. Let's call, we got a $100 balance with Visa and they charge us $10 a month. Let's just say they're charging 20% interest. So I take this 100 that I just took from my death benefit, the loan the insurance company gave me, and I pay off Visa. So now I no longer owe Visa $10.
2: Right. But
0: you see, I was conditioned to pay Visa every single month because that was who gave me the, the, credit. the credit. But now that I don't owe Visa, what we need to now do is treat our money, our $100, the same as we treated the, bank. the banks. And I take that $10 payment that I used to pay to Visa, and I just change the name on the check, and I pay it back to my bank. You see, what we did, it's very simple. I want all of you to envision a circle, mm-hmm. okay? Your money starts on the left side of the circle. You change yeah. one thing and that's where your money starts. That's the left side. And that is that specially designed and engineered whole life that we design for people you know, to do this. You take the money out in the form of a loan against yes. your death benefit and you use it to pay off Visa. But now Visa no longer is owed $10 a month. So what we now do is we complete the circle on the bottom. We treat our money the same as we treated the mm-hmm. bank's money and we recycle so. and recapture the $10 we gave to Visa back into that's our same. bank, repaying the loan that we took from our bank with interest and not one thing changed in your life the amount of money you were saving didn't change because all you did is redirected your savings to right. this bank which is your bank none of the money that you're spending on the other side changed because you were giving $10 away every month to Visa, to Visa but now always, you're right. yeah now you're writing $10 a month back to yourself but you recaptured 20% interest that you used to just in give away and that money would never come back take that one simple concept and apply that to everything in your life apply that to your car's Imagine if you paid off your car and the $500 a month that you paid to the leasing company or to the car finance company now went back into your bank. And you did that with all your credit cards, all your lines of credit, all your car payments, your boat payments, and eventually you landed at your house. I wouldn't suggest paying off your house at these low interest rates, but I'm just saying, how much money do you give away today? Mm. And if you didn't owe other people all that money, how much money would be coming back to you? And how much wealth would you be able to build by doing that? That's saving the interest. Is the simplest way to wealth. And it does not violate any of the laws of wealth. Law number one, in order to do this, you have to apply law number one of wealth. And that is you have to save money. One tenth of your gross income should be money you keep. In other words, money you save. I say that to people, money you keep. And they're like, I keep all the money that I make. Lies, you're telling yourself lies. You give that money away to other people. You don't keep it. How much is staying? Yes. (laughs) Law number two, your money has to work for you. Your money has to be in motion, just like the bank. So we sent our money into motion. We put our money out there to pay off visa and we recaptured the money that we're giving away. So that would be law number two. And then the rest of the laws just apply to don't seek unrealistic returns because money will flee you. Don't fall parades of uh, tricksters and scammers, you know, no. and out there in the search, always protect your money. In other words, if you're going to do that, make sure that the money is collateralized if you're going to lend it out to someone else. So there's different laws in my book, will cover that. But yeah. this is... The simple foundation of where the wealthy store their capital. Not all their money's there, but their right. safe money, the money that they can't afford to lose that they would normally put in a money market or a bank account or a savings account, they change where that money goes first. And then a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, but Chris, if it makes 6%, I can make way more in crypto. I can make way more in the stock market. So let me hit this because this has been the number one thing that I've been hearing lately. What if? You can still make money in the stock market. You right. can still make money in crypto. But yeah, you can still. make money twice without doing anything different. Because right. you did just hear what I said. Your money never stops earning interest. That's right. You never, ever touch or That's interrupt. Right. The, so you can the still the do compound. all those
1: things. You can still do all those things while your money is still working.
0: Yeah. My friend Caleb wrote a book called The And Asset. And he said, you know, this is not, uh, you know, do this or that, this right. is do this and that. And you can you can just change one thing and that's where your money goes first and tap into one of the most powerful financial things that the world ever, ever has had and that is called compound interest. But yeah. Albert Einstein said it's the eighth wonder of the world, the most powerful thing in the financial <laughs> universe. Those <laughs> that understand it earn it, those that don't pay it. Right. Which side of that are you on? But right. right now you just learned how to earn uninterrupted compound interest. In other words, a place where you can put your money, Use your money without interrupting the flow of compound interest. That is what I do today. And there's a lot more wow. that I do on top of that, but that's the baseline and the number one thing that changes people's lives. And
1: and, and I can see, I mean, I, 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 I sort of read a little bit myself and understanding before we chatted. And, and and even at that time, I was going, wow, this just, uh, like, first off, you you make it sound very easy, right? And I'm sure, it's and in, 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 in theory, in practice, it is, right? As you yes, explained it, is. It, and it is. But I can see where people are just like, blown away what's kind of the initial reaction when you when you when you go through this with people what are they it's always the same
0: it's always the same that sounds too good to be true absolutely (laughs) sounds too good to be true how come i haven't heard about this before how come my advisor and my insurance agent didn't tell me about this because they don't know about it 16 years as a high level advisor never once was i taught this never once and then comes well why if it's so good why didn't they teach this to their best advisors right because because in order to do what i just said Okay. in order to build that specially designed and engineered whole life where it has access to your money immediately in the first 30 days and up to 90 percent of your money can be taken out immediately. To do that, somebody has to give. Remember earlier we started with giving. (laughs) So now we're going to come back to that. To do this, your advisor or your insurance agent would have to give up anywhere between 60 to 90% of their commission so that you had access to 60 or 90% more money inside this policy. How many advisors out there, when you go to them and you say, hey, listen, I got this thing, I got all this money, I want to do this thing that I just heard about on this podcast, but I need you to take and uh, make uh, 90% less money. Are you okay with that? They would, first off, tell you that that's not possible right, because right. they were never taught this. Secondarily, right. they would probably cringe and say, well, I suppose if it's possible, I'll do it. And they will find a way to make it not possible right. so that right. they don't have to give their commission up. I'm sorry, I don't win to pick on any advisors, but listen, I know the game. I do. It requires somebody to give so somebody else can get. This does not work if somebody doesn't give up their commission. There's no way in a whole life you'd ever have access to, you know, 80 to 90% or 60 to 90% immediately in the first 30 days. You'd have no money available in the first three years in a regular whole life. Hence why Dave Ramsey says it's a terrible place to put your money. He's right, Right. but he doesn't understand this. He openly, openly and honestly has done a podcast or a show where he said the infinite banking concept, which is the concept of that circle that I explained, he said that it's a scam. So watch Dave Ramsey's infinite banking is a scam video and then watch all the other people's videos that we've all created saying how much of an idiot Dave Ramsey is because he seriously wholeheartedly has no freaking clue what the infinite banking concept even is. But yet he goes out there because he's got this ego and says that's what it is and it's a scam. The dude doesn't even understand it and he makes a fool of himself mm. in that video. <laughs> right. <laughs> shame. It's a shame that that's what the gurus out there are teaching. Yeah, well, I, I, I,
1: well it makes you think that they just don't want people to know. And, I, and so, a piece that I want to tie this into um, is, is about non conforming because yes. you're, you're sort of breaking the traditional, you know, what we've been taught and, you know, getting away from the banks and taking this other vehicle. Like, so, so that sometimes is challenging for people because non conforming goes against everything that you've been taught.
0: And that's, Man, t- I feel like you've watched a lot of my stuff. Cause I say that every time really what okay. we teach it has been being done for hundreds of years. But the reason people say it sounds too good to be true is very simply because nobody has ever taught it to you because it mm. is, it, it hurts the banks. It hurts the financial sure. you know companies because they all have to be willing to take 90% less in pay mm. now what here's a funny thing and we we've, we've done this but I challenge all of you to do this go into your bank yep. okay sit down with that that big premier banking uh, person that you know has all the fancy products to help their premier clients and just sit down with them and say hey listen I've got a bunch of money that I want to put with this bank watch the sale the saliva roll down the you know that person's face and then just say but here's my only condition it's so simple here's all I need you to do are you ready oh yeah I'm ready this is easy I want you to put my money where this bank puts its money. <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> well, Mr. Noggle, I don't I don't understand what you're mean. Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, no, I want my money going where this bank puts their money. They call it bully, right? They, that bully stuff that bank owned life insurance where the bank puts you know all of its money. I just Googled bully and it said that banks hold $194 billion, and that's as of 2019. It's way more now. It, and bull, I, bully? Bank bank-owned bank owned life insurance. Or you can search Coley, company-owned life insurance, okay. because banks oh. and companies do this. And, and, and the bank will tell you they can't do that. If the bank is putting their money there, and they're right. the number one purchasers of this, then why wouldn't they change. put your money there? Right. You you figure that out, folks.
1: <laughs> That's actually interesting. Eye-opening. I can, again, I can see where, again, where people are even going, oh, my goodness, like, Wow. Um, I, 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 I love the way this empowers people, right? Sort of take it control, them in control of their money, yeah. right? It's, it's taking control. Yeah. And taking control of your money specifically, um, because really based on anything we've talked about just now, we don't have a lot of control over our money based no, on what the banks you've been are taught doing.
0: To, no, you've been taught to give it away to wall street, to 401ks, to bank accounts. That's why people are literally, I call it financial slavery, but it's why people are stuck in the financial hamster wheel. It's oh. true. Like, why is it that people always seem, you know, like they work harder, they're making more money, but yet they never seem to be able to get ahead. Right. It's because you're doing it all wrong, folks. You're giving control away of the most valuable tool that you have, which is your money that right. you worked hard because you've mm-hmm. worked, you've been taught to work for money. You've never been taught to make your money work for you. Mm-hmm. That single-handedly is what the wealthy know that you don't. They single-handedly know that their money has to work for them, just like they worked for that, for that That's money. So, so where did you learn this, Chris? I get It's an interesting question. Not in Wall Street. I can promise you that. <laughs> so I remember uh, how I learned this is I was in Salt Lake City. okay, And I was at the Cheesecake Factory with a gentleman by the name of Mike. I'll leave his last name out. And he was a very wealthy individual. Big, big real estate investor. Had a TV show for many seasons. Okay. And I was, I, I love this guy. He was so helpful in my real estate career in, in lending money to me and everything else. And we're sitting there and I'm borrowing money from him for a deal. And I'm just sitting there talking to him I'm like, so, hey, Mike, you know, like, you're always lending money to me. You're like, where are you lending it from? Is it from your self-directed IRA and these things? He says, no, it's from my private bank. I'm like, ooh, private bank. What's that? Mike, you bought a bank, bud? He's like, no, 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 no. It's my private banking system. It's it's a, it's a whole life policy. I'm, and I sit back and I'm like, Mike, I'm an advisor, man. Like, whole life doesn't work that way. And he leans into me and I'm leaving a lot of details out. But he leans into me and he says, if it doesn't work that way how have I been lending money to you and all these other people <laughs> for all these years? I sat back and I said, cliche. And I just said, teach me. And he says, well, I didn't set this up. I just use it. And he says, you got to call this guy Brent. So I call this guy Brent and I'm so excited. I'm like, oh my God, I found the fountain of wealth. Like teach me this. And he says, well, I'd love to have a conversation, you know, and I'm all, mister I'm like, I'm an advisor. I I know all about this. And he's like, all right, well, you have to watch this 90 minute video. I'm like, no, 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 Brent. I don't need to watch a 90 minute video. I don't like, let's just go, let's get going. And he says, yep, we can do the call after you watch the 90 minute video. I deflated and finally Sunday, walked down to my basement with a big cup of coffee. I hit start. 90 minutes went by like 15 minutes and I had four pages of notes and I literally in that moment had cracked the code. I had understood just in that 90 minute video what I'd been missing for the other whatever, 29 or 30 years of my life that I should have known that I was never taught. And I would challenge everybody. Like, you know, I watched that 90 minute video reluctantly, and most of you will be reluctant to watch a 90 minute video. But if you do, it will change your life, but it will only change your life if you take the knowledge you learn and apply it. Too many people love knowledge. This is the world where all (laughs) the knowledge is available for free, but nobody applies it. Like, right. it's all there. You want wealth, you want success, you, right. want the, you want to know how the wealthy do it. It's all right there in front of you. There's a, a lack of application problem out there. People just don't apply the knowledge that they get because other people fall out. Other people come in and say, oh, that's a scam. Dave Ramsey, you know, they, they Google it. and Dave Ramsey pops up. Oh, Dave Ramsey says it's a scam. I don't want to go any further. Right. If you allow yourself to conform to what everybody else says without you doing your due diligence, then you will never get off the ground. You will never see success and you will never get and live your perfect day because you won't allow yourself to. Wow. Yeah, there's so much to this, and I don't want to keep blabbing, but like I get so no, no. passionate
1: about that. I, I can see that. And Chris, why, why I love it so much is that, so even here on this podcast, you know, we talk about living audacious, living boldly, and, and a lot of that is breaking through the norms that are established that we think are the way things should go, right? And, and and going beyond that to live your best audacious life. And certainly that's what I'm hearing as you're describing breaking past these norms and and, and getting to a better place. You're absolutely
0: correct. And it sounds so easy in a podcast and with me explaining this, but it is incredibly hard when you're actually doing it because it's the complete opposite of everything you've been taught your whole life. Mm. But sometimes we always have to realize, and you've heard this before, the path less uh, used, or what is that saying? Less travel sometimes is the path to what you're looking for. If you keep taking the path that everybody else follows, well, you know, the path, you know, where that path leads. I'm not even going to go down that road, but you know, that's the thing. It's sometimes the answer to all of your money problems. And I'm just going to take it to money problems is on that less traveled path. You just have to venture to go to it and fear and conformity and all those things will try to stop you from doing that. But just, I urge you just go a little bit into it. Do one layer of due diligence. Just go on and just Google bully. and and prove that banks are the number one purchasers of this. Then go on and look up videos about the Rockefellers Uh, and the Rothschilds and how they've used this and how Ray Kroc used this to launch his real estate business called McDonald's because it's really, it's a hamburger business that makes all its money in real estate. And look at Walt Disney World and look at how Walt Disney started Walt Disney World or Doris Christopher for Pampered Chef or Chef or look at uh, McCain before he passed, how he funded his political campaigns and look at Biden where he keeps his wealth in seven mass mutual policies designed exactly how i just explained listen folks i'm not re- i'm not reinventing this i just found and cracked the code and i share it with everybody in a very simple fifth grade level where people can understand and apply it in their lives to start and here's the problem this is the biggest problem you want to know the biggest problem why people What's What's won't that? do this why is that fomo They're they're chasing unrealistic returns right now. They think that this stock market and the crypto market and the real estate market is just going to keep going to the moon. And I got news for all of you. Mark this down. And you can hate me for saying this. It's going to crash, folks. Mm. It cannot sustain these levels. It will not sustain these levels. And when it crashes, please be on the right side because it is going to be a doozy and it is one you don't want to ride through. And yeah. most people are like, well, I don't even know what a recession is. I'm you know, young millennials. Uh, you don't <laughs> want not. to know.
1: No, yeah, absolutely not. Chris, I, I'm, I'm again, just blown away. I, 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 the passion you have for this. Uh, it's, 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 incredible. And I uh, thank you for that. Uh, and, and even just thank you for sharing, uh, you know, this, this, this certainly wasn't about, you know, how we can help people make money and no one was doing gas for this, or they were walking away with is just an understanding of, of, of going after what you want. You talked earlier about the importance of dreaming and what dream can let, and we sort of went through that path of all the things you need to do to reach your dreams. And, and that's why I love the, what you're, what you're doing now, because you're, you're, you're helping dreams become a reality for a lot of people. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I am extremely passionate because there's not a whole lot of people out there teaching people the secrets and, you know, the things that will set them free financially. And a lot of people just want to manage their money, take control of their money. Yep. Um, yep. Like I don't manage money for people. I just teach them how to be a good steward of their own money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got a book, right? Can we get a big plug for that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Matter of yeah. fact, you guys, you know, you, I have three books, the fourth on the way. So every nice. one of your listeners can have these books for free. Mapping out the millionaire mystery is the book all about what we just talked about. This book will teach you the secrets of the wealthy and, and how we just talked about it. That book you can get for free on my website, com. You can also get this one. It's a new booklet. It's only 68 pages long. But this booklet teaches you how to get all the money back for every single car you will ever buy, drive and own in 68 pages. So you want this for free? Go on. You can get the ebook sent. You just register for our free webinar. And then I also have another book called The Private Money Guide if you're interested in learning how to be a private lender. And that's also free at chrisnoggle.com. Free, free and free.
1: Well, again, going back to giving, right? And and you're doing that, knowing you're giving uh, insights knowledge and a path to uh, greater success, but again, even through your books. And so uh, thank you for that. Thank you for being here on the podcast. It's so awesome. I really appreciate it. I I love the drive, love the passion. I know I said that before, but I gotta say it again because I think that's what fuels what you do and and it's amazing. So please keep it up. And and again, thanks for the time.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
1: Take care, bye-bye. (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry. Back we are here on the podcast uh, and uh, again I gotta give a big big shout out and thanks uh, to Chris for being here with me on the Audacious Living Podcast sharing your insights and your journey uh, and your and your knowledge is so much appreciated around especially around that building wealth and, and, and you know what that means and the power of money and you know again although this is not a financial podcast I gotta admit for a minute it felt like one for a little bit <laughs> you know um Chris left us with so much to think about, but if there's just one thing that I take from our conversation, uh, it would have to be this, you know, it was, it was world renowned, uh, psychologist, Abraham Maslow, who once said the only way to be at peace with yourself is to live the life you were created to live. We all were created for a specific purpose and we all were created to live a life of meaning. And attaining that life means realizing what our purpose is and by realizing it, we've gone out in the world and we've actually taken action to attain it. So, so that's what happens without this very important step, without that action step, your dream will only ever just be a wish and that, that wish will not give you the audacious life you are meant to live. Hey, If you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com. All you've got to do is enter in your email address and you will be immediately alerted every time there's brand new content that comes out. Uh, we've come to the end of another episode of the audacious living podcast. And, uh, I say, as always do thanks and shout out to our amazing listeners, all those lovers of audaciousness. I uh, so much appreciate your tremendous support and the ongoing support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another and be audacious.
0: You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.